0: Hi, I'm Ivan Berry, the announcer for Fulham, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. This is your host, J-Mac. This episode, we'll be discussing three juicy points from St. Andrews. Ah, I can't be bothered. A real graph from all our players with some standout performances. Is it papier-mâché over the cracks, though, or is it the perfect bounce we needed before the international break? With me are a potty-mouthed faux Frenchman and a grizzly Welsh bear from Aldershot. Let's go. Fulham. All right, guys. Well, three points. Unexpectedly, from my part, I actually thought we were going to lose this game or maybe draw. But, Baldwin, you were there. What was it like? I mean, was it quite a quite beautiful weather, wasn't it?
2: Oh, yes. Typical Birmingham typical Birmingham weather. Thankfully, the away fans are undercover, so we didn't get to see any of it. But um, we yeah. didn't get to feel any of it, rather. But, yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely terrible, terrible conditions from the
1: changes that we made, Tom Kearney was obviously missing due to illness and Bobby restarted in his, in his place. this also meant knockout was, you know, back in the front three and obviously Rodak returned. I mean, what did you make of all these changes that Scott Parker implemented?
2: Um, well, I suppose the biggest one would be regarding Rodak because it means that basically he's now, now the, the number one, the whole, th- you know, he hasn't lost his place because of his rash, uh, choice with the red card against Middlesbrough. So, mm. It looks as if the better train is firmly you know completely out of the way um in regards to the other ones, Bobby Reed and Knockhart's fairly straightforward I was a bit bemused to see Bobby Reed as a as a central midfielder because I think you have made the point vehemently well about him being best a, as a center forward so it to see him as central midfield was a bit off and then Knockhart more or less just straightforward yeah back to back to where he should be if I'm being honest.
1: Uh, sorry, I was just thinking about vehemently again. Um, <laughs> very good. <laughs> He's got his hand over his face. <laughs> oh, it's, a tr- it's a
2: trigger thing at this stage. It's just an automatic thing.
1: Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Um, and of course, uh, Mr. Frenchie, good to see you again, mate. What were your thoughts of the changes that were made?
0: Nothing strange. They were they were all enforced changes, weren't they? So Kenny yeah. was ill, so. Bobby Reid's come in and I think a few of us have said in the past we'd quite like to see him play in that central midfield role. I feel like he's he's going to play every single role in the team this season and if if Rodak loses form, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in goal. But ne- next game, of course, we're going to see him up front, I would have thought, but we'll, we'll come on to that. <laughs> I, thought. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think as Baldo said, I think Rodak is probably now the first-choice goalkeeper Bettinelli had his opportunity to come back in, having been dropped, and did nothing to dis, you know, to, to change the fact that you know Parker seems to have lost faith in him. knockhart was back in. It was going to have to be knockhart or Kamara, wasn't it? And I'd rather have my my nan on the wing, frankly, than Kamara. I think he's absolutely appalling. But again, we'll come on to that as well.
1: Actually, Fulham technically had the ball in the net quite early, but as you alluded to in your article that was just released today, Mr. Baldwin, actually it was a game literally of two halves. I mean, I think we had a stinker in the first half, but actually Mitro scored a goal, uh, which was actually ruled out for offside after good work from knockout. I mean, do you think that was offside being their live?
2: Well, it's down, it was down the other end, so we didn't quite get the best view of it, but... In that situation, I knew as soon as the ball goes into the net, where's the linesman? Eyes ah, flags up. So I didn't. I didn't even bother celebrating. Uh, but I w- mm. would give some credit to Anthony Ockart with which has been lost in all this, uh, the fact that Mitrovic had a goal ruled out, but did very well to beat his man in that situation. So clearly something there, but uh, obviously didn't get the rewards for it because Mitro was maybe offside. I haven't had a chance to look.
0: I think it was offside. You can tell generally by the, the reaction of the players around. And Mitra kind of looked at the linesman and held his hands together like he was praying as if to say, oh, no way. But nobody else really uh, protested. And, and he looked offside. He, uh, they didn't have the um, the angle on the replay that you get with VAR in the Premier League these days. And thank God for that, because VAR is a bloody waste of time. But anyway, that's that's the yeah. topic altogether and one that we don't have to deal with this season, thankfully. But yeah, offside for me.
1: Fair enough. And I'll go back to you straight away with this, Frenchie. Bobby Reid, he should have actually scored again in this game. It was a cross from, I believe, from Mitro and he just narrowly missed it. He's done this a few times before and, you know, he's played in so many positions now. And I think he actually transitions from playing as a central midfielder to the wing quite, you know, effortlessly. He does really well. He's a bit of a sort of chameleon in that respect. But do you think this is a case of once he actually scores a fucking goal that he'll just the floodgates will open? Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe. It depends where he's playing, though, because I feel like uh,
0: watching them on Saturday, the players kind of knew their role a bit better, if you like. I don't think we've been particularly well disciplined with the way uh, the positions that players are playing in. And I think Bobby Reed is probably the worst one for it. I think if he's been told to play in a central midfield role... He drifts up front. If he's being told to play on the wing, he drifts into the middle. He wants to be in the middle, scoring goals. That that chance at the weekend reminded me of the Paul Gascoigne one in um, in Euro '96, where he narrowly missed it by a couple of inches, and scoring that goal would have put us into into the Euro finals. But that one the other day, if he, if he'd have been you know a couple of inches taller, he may have got his toe on the end of it. I think he's got, he's got a lot of goals in him. We know he's got a lot of goals in him because he scored them at this level before for Bristol City. But it's just finding the right way to use him. And we've talked about that in the past. And we're blue in the face as well. Where, where's his best position? It's mm-hmm. up front, but we've got, we've got Mitrovic there at the moment. But in the next game, I think we'll see Bobby Reid play instead of Mitrovic, who's suspended. And, you know, that would be the game, wouldn't it, to, to start scoring goals in against QPR at home.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Bobby Reid's best position technically is a sort of number 10-ish role, but also centre forward, second striker sort of role, as you will, let like you say. And I think so,
0: Because he, he, was, he was kind of being used as almost a number 10 at the weekend. He was playing the attacking midfielder role that, that Kearney often plays. But yeah. I just, I, just I, I didn't feel like he was particularly well disciplined. I don't think he had a bad game, don't get me wrong, but I'd like to see the team become more more drilled and players playing in the, in the proper positions and sticking to it.
1: Yeah, and I was excited for a little bit, actually, by the fact Tom Kearney wasn't playing, although I do hope he gets better. Apparently, it's an illness. But the fact that I was interested just to see him in that role uh, with, obviously, Johansson and Reed behind him, I was interested to see how he got on. And he didn't do too badly. But speaking of illness, well, not illnesses, injuries, Maxime Lamarchon Le left the pitch injured in the first half. What were your thoughts, Mr. Reese, when you saw that? Were you jumping for joy until you saw who was coming on to replace him?
2: Well, well, I wasn't jumping for joy that Maxime Lamarchon was... No, I mean, that's a bit harsh. I, I don't, yeah, I don't that's, that's, that's like a bit harsh. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 know, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I was... Cyrus Cyrus Christie was coming, and I wasn't enthralled. Let's put it that way. As I think many Fulham fans have been, for whatever reason they may like him, whether it be tactical or, or personal reasons... I've not been a big fan of Cyrus Christie. For some reason, it's just not, it just wasn't, hasn't been clicking for him at Fulham. But I will give him credit. He did fantastically. You know, enough to make me start to think whether or not he should be the right back going forward, you know, starting to compete with Sessignon.
1: And overall thoughts of Dennis Adoy, what was he like on the left? Because that's originally what a lot of people were crying out for in not having and hoping to not have MLM playing this game. They all wanted Dennis Adoy on the left and obviously Steven Cessignon on the right. How was Adoy for you out of ten for that position when he played on the left in his original oh, position?
2: Oh, on, on the left, he was much better. I'd get I'd give him an eight out of ten, he would as, as opposed to a zero out of ten on the right, because as I as I mentioned in the article, he was just being Far he was being brought in far too many times. He just kept drifting inside. Let the Birmingham players have too much space out on our right hand side. So I don't know if he because he because he was the centre back for a long time. So maybe it's just natural him drifting in. I don't yeah. know what it is, but for whatever reason, he was a much more astute uh, player at left back. Which I think where he where he originally started playing. When we brought him in under Slav, he was originally left-back. If I'm right, because we had Ryan Fredericks at right-back. So, That's right. Yeah, exactly. That should really be his position going forward. For whatever reason, he's just not quite there as a right-back.
1: And, Freddy, going forward, do you see this being the defence for the next game if neither MLM or Joe Bryan recover in time for QPR? Yeah,
0: why not? I'll yeah. just say another thing, though. I, I think lamar gets a, a rough time. Based on not a great deal, I, I, I think he was one of our better defenders last season in what was a crap season. Cyrus Christie was appalling last season. He was he was just not up to scratch in the Premier League at all. But we know that he can he can do it at this level. He's done it for Derby. He's done it for Middlesbrough, and he did it for us as as cover for Fredericks. And he came on a few times in that season, and he he set some goals up. He likes to get forward. Um, he's a better attacking right back than Dennis Adoye. He's a better attacking right back than Steven Sessignon. I haven't seen a great deal from Stephen Sesson on this season to suggest that he should be first choice, apart from his his debut, was it, against Huddersfield when he was man of the match. Um, but he started to look very shaky in the in his last performance, which might have been Charleston when he got taken off at half-time, I think. And something that, that's been discussed quite a bit amongst the, uh, the other Fulham podcasts and on, on social media as well is this whole, have we got a problem at left-back, uh, is you know is there a problem between Ream and and, um, and Joe Bryan? And I just think it's the way that we play. Just because generally Joe Bryan is an attacking fullback who spends most of his time attacking, and if we were to be more ruthless up front and we were to take, create more chances and, and, and score more goals, then we wouldn't be so susceptible on the counter attack. And that's why we we see Joe Bryan get criticised because he's far up the pitch, busy attacking, and all of a sudden there's a gap at the back. But that's not Joe Bryan's fault. That's just the, the fault of the system. And I feel like if Dennis Adoy is going to be playing left back for the next few weeks, if indeed we we do miss Le Marchand and, and Bryan for a longer period, then we'll see that gap appear at right back because Cyrus Christie is going to be the one that's bombing forward.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, first of all, I'm really glad you mentioned coming to the defence of LMM because I. Um, sorry MLM because I thought even though he had an absolute stink here at the start of last week's game I thought he actually didn't put too many feet wrong in that game and the stats are actually quite good and in his favor and I thought you know he looked all right actually just before he got injured and going on towards Steven Sessignon quickly I mean I don't know if it's a confidence issue or he struggled in training maybe it's to do with the fact you know he's played as a right back before but also a right center back and what he likes to do instead of bombing forward um all the time he likes to sort of dip in and become almost like a another defensive midfielder at times but i think what's really interesting is that Christie looks very similar to fredericks in this game just with he was overlapping quite a lot with something we haven't seen on the right from a doy and hopefully that's something if he does start again we can we can see progressing anyway look Mitro was booked for some afters with bellingham who's a I believe he's 16 years old, and was it? Is it's the 16 year old kid, isn't he? Yeah, and his yellow card means he's suspended for the QPR game. This means that we are very likely to see Bobby Reed play as a centre forward for West the West London derby. Reese, how, how much of a loss do you think this will be? And do you think potentially it might not be Bobby Reed playing as centre forward? Maybe I don't know. Dare I say Jay Stansfield? Bit of a wild one, but probably not.
2: Oh, that would be a wild one, getting in Jay Stansfield, or who's the who's the one we got from Chelsea, Taylor Crosdale?
1: Michael Costa Taylor, yeah, uh,
2: that's the one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I think it. I think we've sort of discussed that Bobby Reed is going to be the is more than likely going to be the uh, centre forward going forward. But Mitrovic, it, it's going to be a big miss for us because I was, I was looking, I was looking this up, and I think he's been involved. I can't remember if this was before the Birmingham game or after, but in and around fifty percent of our goals this season, either through scoring them or assisting them. So we've just basically lost half of our goals going up front. The other players are basically going to have to step up quite a lot to make the, short, the shortfall for Mitrovic. You know, I said it in my article today. I thought Mitrovic was incredibly stupid in that situation. I think he should have been, you know, quite quite the bigger man in that situation. I'm not quite sure what sparked the situation. Apparently, Knockout made a bad challenge or a rough challenge on, I think it was Ivan Sunjic. Bellingham took issue, then Mitrovic sort of of stepped into calming down. Things escalated, that's what I've read. In that situation, I'd just rather Mitrovic just left that alone. In any other situation, that could have been a red for both players, just because given the terribleness of referees in this division. The second he goes over to the linesman to to have a discussion, you're thinking there's going to be trouble because he's seen something. The referee hasn't. So yeah, I'm not happy with Mitrovic. It does lead to... Back to what I was saying earlier, that Bobby Reed's going to be uh, the man up front and whether or not he's going to be able to produce at the same level he was for Bristol and Cardiff. No one's going to have to wait and see.
0: Mitro is absolutely outstanding against Birmingham. Aside from his yellow card, I thought towards the end of the game, he was fantastic. He was holding the ball up in the corner. He was fighting for everything and he was much more involved than, than we've seen him recently. And even on a yellow card, I thought that it didn't seem to affect the physical side of his game. Obviously, if he'd have been sent off, that would have been really disappointing. The, the, the whole thing with Bobby Reed is an interesting one because before or after the whole game, I think we were chatting on the Sunday in the group chat and I kind of posed a question to say, I wonder whether um, or is there a case for leaving Mitrovic out one week? playing Bobby Reid, because I feel like Bobby Reid would pull defenders about more and create more gaps for those passes to, to bring the wingers in. But Mitrovic has scored 12 goals. He is probably our only Premier League quality player. And what I mean by that is Cavalero is quality, Nockarts quality, Kenny's quality. But they're too inconsistent. And that's why they're playing in the Championship. If they could re- replicate their best form week in, week out, uh, and then they'd be playing for a Premier League side. But because they can't, they, they play for us and one week they'll be hot, one week they'll be cold. But Mitrovic generally, he, he scores. He scores most games and he's absolutely lethal at this level and we're going to miss him. But I'm not overly worried by the fact that Bobby Reed is going to play that role I expect against QPR because I'd just like to see how, how it changes the dynamics of the team.
1: And you mentioned Mitrovic, you know, obviously taking shots and he's a goal scorer. I mean, he took one shot from the halfway line um, in the first half, which was closer, as you say, going uh, for a throw-in and ending up in the net. I mean, the first half was a really dire, dire stuff, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know if it was to do with the weather, but I always thought sometimes bad weather would actually enhance our play of the passing. I always thought things would be a lot faster. Um, just not at the races at all in the first half, Mr. Reese. I mean, obviously, Scott Parker said some serious stuff at halftime, and it, it worked
2: yeah exactly i think the weather might have played a little bit in it because some of the passes were just going were just going straight a little bit i don't know if that maybe because of the weather everyone just had to sort of get used to it but yeah i do not know what scott parker said at half time but it certainly certainly hadn't affected because you know we scored in about the 50 50th minute i want to say around that mark um but even before 50 that second. 50 second around that um so yeah and we had a couple of chances before that as well. So we came absolutely firing out the blocks for the past couple of years, even under Slav, not so much under Ranieri, but even going back to the days of like Martin Yole, we were always seen as a, a second half team. For some reason, we could just never quite be able to start games on the front foot. So this isn't just a Parker thing. This is, seems to be a Fulham thing uh, for reasons that, yeah, it just just baffle me completely. So it's really just now a case of why can't we start doing that from the start and being on the front foot more often? Because there's going to be times where we're not going to be able to get away with this. I'm thinking when we played Leeds. I'm thinking when we have played West Brom, but when we play them second time around this season, when we play other teams near the top of the table, we're not going to be able to get away with that.
0: There's never there's never much sense of urgency, though, is there? It's it's all very parsy parsy parsy. Wait for the gaps to appear. And then maybe, I mean, uh, the weekend, I think we had 56% of the possession. Birmingham are a team that enjoy large portions of possession regularly as well. So it's the battle of, you know, the teams that l- like to keep the ball. But when, when teams keep the ball a lot, there's rarely chances. And off, off the back of that, how many shots do we have on target? A couple, maybe. And one of them was from a goalkeeper mistake. So... Um, And I think that's what contributed to the fact that a large portion of the game was played out in the middle of the pitch rather than, you know, against Hull last week, for example, when we'd pass, 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 then Hull would nick the ball off of us and, and they'd go for the jugular and they'd really attack much more direct than we are.
1: You mentioned the goalkeeping error there. I mean, it was an error, but obviously with Mitro being in the right place at the right time, it's a poacher is what he does and, you know, good for him for being in the right position. But absolutely, it wasn't the prettiest goal to watch. The Cyrus Christie cross was something that reminded me of the cross that he gave to Mitrovic, um, actually on Mitrovic's debut against uh, Bristol City away a couple of seasons ago. Is this time, do you think, this could be a little bit of a renaissance for Cyrus Christie if he keeps performing like this?
0: I think it has to be. For him, from his point of view, this is last chance to loom for him at Fulham. He's got Adoy potentially in front of him, potentially Steven Sesson. I don't know whether whether he's injured or whether he's just fallen out of favour completely, but Christie came in and he took his opportunity. So he's going to have to keep that up if he wants a future at Fulham. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's he's got eyes at, uh, on a move away in January. Who knows? Because he's not even been on the bench much recently. I don't know if he's featured since the opening day of the season, to be honest. But this is a good opportunity for him. And we know he's a decent right back at this level. And I'd rather I'd rather have him with us than, than not with us in the championship because he's been mm. there and done it before.
1: No, I completely agree. I've got some notes here to talk about Dennis Adoy, but we alluded to earlier how, you know, it was pretty good on the left. But am I right in saying, Mr. Reese, did, did he nearly score an absolute worldie in this game? He always has some sort of magic trick in his luck every now and then, Mr. Dennis, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it was so fantastic. I thought it was Ivan Cavallero that did, just because I was just so amazed. Um, you know, Dennis. You mentioned Dennis Doy has got this because I think did he score one against? I want to say, I want to say Reading a couple of years ago, where he absolutely smacks it from thirty-five yards. I'm sure every, everyone can picture it. I just can't remember. I just can't remember who. I can't remember who it was against. But yeah, he does have these in his locker sometimes. Yeah, if just a little bit more composure uh, and he would have scored and he would have pro- probably would have been contender, contender for goal of the season. Absolutely.
1: And Josh Onema came on for Cavalero in the 66th minute. Um, that was really lispy. Let's do that again. Um, Josh Onema came on for Cavalero in the 66th minute. Or oh, you can keep that in, Don, I don't mind. And Kamara came on for Bobby Reid in the 82nd minute. And a very good, we'll talk about Kamara in a second. Josh Onema, I mean, are, are we, is it too early to be, completely unimpressed with him would you say Mr French
0: yes yeah I do I do think it's far too early because he's hardly played Um, I think he spent a large proportion of the last year or so injured and now he's been gradually integrated into the team I still don't really know what his best position is obviously midfield but I'm not sure if he's a defensive midfielder or an attacking midfielder he generally comes on for a small period at the end of a game Touches the ball a couple of times, gets a load of stick off online from from Fulham fans because he hasn't come on and, and won the game for us or something. You need to be patient. And the the only opportunity that he's had from the beginning was against uh, Middlesbrough when he was hauled off after 17 minutes when Rodak got injured. So nobody's, nobody's going to come in and, and be an instant hero in this team because we don't play like that.
1: Yeah. got to mention also for the substitution is Kamara because Kamara made a huge impact in my opinion. I actually thought he made a really big impact um, in the game that we lost against Hull. I thought he looked, you know, he looked dangerous. He made really some really good crosses and he just, he adds that energy that we need. I think definitely need to be seeing more of him as an impact sub. I thought we'd actually be seeing more of that play from Scott Parker this season. But what what were your thoughts on Kamara, Mr. Reese? I mean, he was, I thought he was quite good.
2: He did the job that he was meant to do just Mr. Goal, of course.
1: Sorry. I mean, that wasn't that good, I suppose.
2: I mean, yeah, I was gonna say he he came on and did the job he was meant to do, he just did it incredibly poorly, which is as I said to the uh, to the guy standing behind me, with that breakaway goal, he you could that basically summed up his entire Fulham career in the space of about five seconds. He absolutely lung busting run down the other end of the field. If there had been someone with him, I think that that chance would have been a lot better because he was basically then forced to do something on his own, which means he had to think, which is a terrible thing. That's why he, that's why he slipped. But yeah, as that's what you want him for, to make those counterattacking runs. It's just a damn shame that no one was able to keep up with him. Otherwise, oh, wait, otherwise- are, you,
0: are you talking about the time when he fell over or the time when he hit the post? Uh, the tommy to Tom <laughs> fellow. Oh, over. okay. Because there were there were two where he was absolute shite.
2: Yeah, the, the one where he hit the post. I think it's uh, Lee Camp saved it. I think it's come. I think it's come yeah. uh, to like to, to like the Lee Camp saved it. Which got oh, score. He's enough. got a
0: score. He's, I know he's Camp got saved it, but he's got to score. Oh yeah, he's
2: got to score. He's a I think because yeah, because Lee Camp is terrible, as I've said many a time, and the fact that he was under pressure from Clark Salter, which meant that he couldn't take it round to someone to bother. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah, that was worse than the one that you know he fell over with. But if someone had been able to keep up with him, then he might have been able to produce something out of that. And that he was all on his own, but yeah, some performance from Kamara there, absolutely.
1: All right, well, you say some performance, let's talk about an assured performance. Merrick Rodak, Mr. French, your thoughts on him made a fantastic save at one point, didn't he?
0: Made a couple of good saves, actually, made a, a good one early on shot from distance that he's kind of got over the top of but did enough to divert it wide and then there was there was one right at the end as well I have no idea who the Birmingham player was but the cross has come in from the left I think and there was a header that he tipped over the bar from point blank range his handling looked all right he was he was talking to his defense quite nicely and quite happy with him at the moment to be honest it was a it was a good game and he's definitely in for the next one for me
2: yeah, I was looking at the who scored a site that does statistical rating and sort of that, and I think they gave him man of the match, basically on a, on a statistical basis sort of how what he contributed to the team sort of thing. And I think well, he's I, you know, actually in
1: the championship team of the week. Exactly.
2: Um, it, it wasn't a stellar performance, not like you know Vadasar at Arsenal back in two thousand and four levels of of standout performance, but he did you know he did well when when called upon. So. Fair, fair play to him. As we discussed earlier, I think that's now his number one spot to lose, basically.
0: He can't statistically have been man of the match, though, because of all of our defensive problems that we've got. So, can't, can't be a goalkeeper or a defender of Fulham that got man of the match, surely. silence well, Sorry, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure
2: there's a, there's a hint of sarcasm there. I get a, I get a hint of sarcasm. Well
1: wow. There you go. Okay. No, 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 I can't tell. But the thing is, the whole point of rodder obviously, I think he's had a great game and I think he's a very good goalkeeper. OK, I'll say very good. I mean, he was good for Rotherham. But the thing is, I think it was a very interesting move by Parker to bring him back in after the red card again. It just shows that it was a bold move that paid off, in my opinion. I agree with Mr. Rees that it is his to lose. Now, just to summarise, this was a match between two teams that like to dominate possession. And Fulham won that battle, but it was with 56% of the possession and we only managed three shots on target. Now, I'll go to you with this, Mr. French. Do you think that even though we won this, because at the end of the game, mitchevich was sort of covering the ball at the other end as if this was the Wembley playoff final against Aston Villa. Is this just paper over the cracks? Do you think that actually there are still big problems and I mean, the fixture list coming up is pretty scary. And with our form, with the teams we've faced already, I mean, it could make quite, well, damning viewing.
0: I don't think we've got that many problems, to be honest. I think they're overstated because people expect us to win every week because we've got this all singing, all dancing team. On another day against Hull, if if Mitrovic has scored before half-time, then it's one-all and then the second half is completely different. But as it was, we ended up losing 3-0. But we didn't actually play that badly against Hull. We just, we don't create enough opportunities The main problem for me is that we don't operate enough as a cohesive unit as a team. The midfield is very individual, the defence is very individual and the front three are very individual. We've got some individual players who you might consider to be luxury players at times who don't link up the play enough. And I'd, I'd just like to see us defend as a team, attack as a team, and I'd like to I'd like to see more opportunities for the possession that we get. Because as it is, Danny said before, after after we went to Sheffield Wednesday, it is quite boring to watch. And I'd, I sat there against Hull last week, and I just found myself looking over at the the Riverside Stand, looking at looking at the big gaps, looking at the boats going past, and thinking, oh, yeah. I wish I'd stayed at home. I'm cold and miserable here. This is this is boring me. But is we aren't that far right away. Attained? Pardon.
2: Is Junior not there to keep everyone entertained? Or is oh, he some of the placement
0: builder? Jun- Junior is there, but he's going to be in the river soon. I, I reckon the <laughs> must be nearly gone. It would have been, what, two or three weeks since our last home game by the time we played QPR. And it's it's coming down pretty swiftly now. And the club did say in the autumn it will be gone. So God knows where he's going to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I- I'd-, I'd just like to see more opportunities and a bit more entertainment, really. But I don't think we're a million miles off.
1: What are your thoughts on that, Mr Rees? we... A million miles off, do you think? Or
2: uh, no, no, I concur. I concur with Frenchie. And you know, I'd like to see more chances because it, it, it adds to more excitement, even if it does result in a couple of heart attacks along the way. Basically, if we have 10, 15 chances a game, at least we're having chances. I'd much rather, you know, have that than just maybe the three, and then maybe we take one. At least with 10, there's some level of excitement as the ball goes towards the net. So, yeah, I I would agree we need to start basically being slightly more attacking, being more on the front foot. And one thing um, which I'll be highly looking forward to when Tom Kearney comes back is um, more shots from outside the box. We've seen with the likes of Caviar and Kearney that we have them in our locker to an extent, Mitrovic, because he had a free kick uh, that was deflected wide the other day, uh, on Saturday rather. So he's got that in the locker. So, yeah, more shots from outside the box as well. Add that to it.
1: All right, and let's quickly have your Parker rating then before we move on to the other side of the pod, not in life.
2: Okay, right. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a seven. Uh, did very well. Um, the substitutions worked well, but they were sort of forced upon him. I've got to take points off for the first half because everything was just absolutely dour, and you know he's got to take some responsibility for that for not getting the players up and ready to go from kickoff.
0: I don't think the substitutions were forced on him. Cyrus Christie was forced on him because of the injury, but then he's brought yeah, on...
2: That's the main one. Yeah, and
0: who did he bring on? He brought on Kamara for Bobby Reed, and he brought on...
2: Anom- Anoma for a knockout.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he's just brought him on to, to shore things up. But for me, I, I'm going to give Parker an 8 out of 10 for this one. I thought he had his critics after the whole game, and his back was firmly against the wall. Um, and he's come out fighting. We've gone away to Birmingham, who'd won their last three home games, and we've beaten them in testing conditions without our captain, without our left back, and we've we've gone and won the game and kept a clean sheet as well. So eight out of 10 for me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree, 8 out of 10, for all the points you've just made there, and Reese, of course, as well. But also, I think Parker was starting to feel the heat slightly, and it does show that the players are still believing in him with the performance they produced in the second half. And I thought, actually, some of the defence in that second half was fantastic. All as a unit, very good to watch. Anyway, on the other side of this, guys, because we've got the international break, and we don't have to preview QPR, we're going to have a quiz. See you in a minute. Fulham. Quizadora, Right. Thank you. Why am I saying thank you? Welcome back. And now we're going to play the quiz. Now, if you're listening at home, you can get a total of 24 points, but for my lovely co-hosts here, they can get a total of 16 points. Right. Round one. Now, round one is a new round invented by Danny, and it's called Got Your Number. I'll tell you what, because, Frenchy, you haven't been on for a while, you get the choice. Would you like set one or set two?
0: Set one, please, J-Mac.
1: All right, fine. Now, The aim of the game is, you have to tell me a player that has had this shirt number. Simple as. Okay? And I might throw in a little bonus question as well. So, set one. Here we go for you, Frenchie. Which Fulham player has had the number? The suspense is just mental. I've I've lost the page. I've lost the bloody page. Right, hold on. Which player? Which, which Fulham player has had the number 24?
0: Oh, what? I just have to say somebody who had number 24?
1: Yeah, if you can think of one. Adam Gomer? That is amazing. Yeah, Adam Gomer is absolutely correct. That is a point for the French. All right. And next question for you, Mr. French. I'll go for this number. Number 14.
0: Am I allowed to use current players,
1: or can I just say Papa Diop? Well, I mean, you could use current players, but you can also absolutely use Papa Boopa D up. That is a point for you as well, Mr. French. Very good. That is a point there. I imagine you're going to go for Bobby Reid there, weren't you? Yes. All right. And maybe not. And the final one is number seven Steve Sidwell. Steve Sidwell calling Steve Sidwell. I mean, you're obviously right because you know Fulham a lot better than I do. (laughs) Uh, Steve Sidwell is absolutely correct. There you go. That is a full three points there. Right, and we are going to you, Mr. Reese. now. This is the perfect two people to play this for, you geeks. All right, set two for you, Mr. Reese. Which Fulham player has played in number 12?
2: Mark Crossley. Mm.
1: Exactly, he has. Very good. All right, and who has played in the number
2: 13? 13. 1-3. Yes. Thomas Ridzinski
1: Exactly, he absolutely has. And the final one is number twenty.
2: <laughs> oh, you set me up, <laughs> Brian McGod.
1: <laughs> Brian McGod, there you go. Absolutely right. That is a full three points to you. I think we picked too many good brains for this question, but you could have also had Klaus Jensen, Louis Zaha, Roddy Egger. Dixon of two who Zachariah Labidad Hugo Rodiega Ruggie Rodiega who? um Zachariah Labidad. Zachariah Labidad? Zachariah Labidad yeah. I
2: know, yeah. I know who I know who he is. He just made yeah. him up.
1: You could have no, I no, no, no. And also you could have had Lucas Piazon as well. But I'll go back in time a little bit. So for 13, this is a bit of trivia. You could have also have had Danny Guthrie, Elsab Sad Danny Sto- uh, David Stockdale, Danny Murphy. Uh, Ricardo Batista Thomas Rosiski, which you said Ross Flitney Mike Taylor Mike, Mike Taylor fuck and Karl-Heinz Riddle alright
0: Karl-Heinz oh, Riddle to you and I
1: okay fine I'm sorry and the number 12 you could have actually had Ryan Babel and Joe Lewis Sekou Fafana Emmanuel Frimpong, David Stockdale, Tony Warner, Stephen Davis. Oh my God, there's so many. John Collins, Mark Pearson, Fred like. You you, you get the idea, guys. You get the idea. All right. I'm going to throw a little bonus one out there because you both got this one so easily. All right. And I'll go to you for this, Mr. French. Now, these two players I'm giving to you and Mr. Reese are players that have only ever had this number in the history of Fulham. Which player had the number or has the number, or had the number 56? Was that Harvey Elliott? Jesus Christ, yes, it was. Very good. That is a massive bonus point to you. I wasn't expecting you to get that. All right, and Mr. Reese, this one is for you. Which only player for Fulham has ever had the number 49?
2: Ooh, that is a doozy. That is a doozy. I think, is it Muama Tankovic?
1: No, unfortunately not. It is not Romana Tankovic. It is Josh Pritchard, and I gave you that one because he's Welsh. Who?
2: Josh Pritchard. I'm thinking. Was am I right? In thinking? Do you have the game he played in, or the games he played in?
1: I have the season he played in, which was the 1314 season. That would, the made... Cup, or, that would have been
2: the FA Cup. That would have been the FA Cup where Sheffield United.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry about that. I just thought I'd throw in Tankovic was
2: 43. Way. Now I think about it, he was 43. Oh, well.
1: um, never mind All right, round two here we go this is the back and forth round it's five guesses each and your two jobs are well your one job between two of you are is to name me the lineup of our first premier league match against man united away in 2001 all right so you have got five guesses each you go back and forth and you've got to tell me the starting lineup for that game starting with you mr reese
2: um, I'll just go for the obvious one. Louis Zaha. Saha. Sa-
1: Sa- L- Louis Zaha. That is absolutely right. Well done. And to you, Mr. Reggie. Van der Of course. And for you, back to you, Mr. Rees. Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan is absolutely on there. Thank you very much. And for you, Mr. Reggie.
0: Sean Davis.
1: Sean Davis. Absolutely right. He was in the starting line. And for you, Mr. Rees.
2: Chris Coleman.
1: Chris Coleman calling Chris Coleman. Chris Coleman was not in the starting lineup, I'm afraid. Back to you, Mr. Frenchie. Um, Steve Bronk. Absolutely right. And back to you, Mr. Reese.
2: Oh, I'm throwing this away here. Who would have been left back? Gold, Beak? What Go- Biek? Whatever you have said. it. Goldbeak. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Goldbeak.
1: Well, actually, yes, he was. Well done. That is a point Yay. for you. And for you, Mr. Frenchie? Um, I
0: think it's got to be Rufus Brevet, hasn't
1: it? Rufus Brevet. Rufus bloody Brevet. Rufus Brevet is not on the list, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. I'll reveal all who was on it in a minute. And final guess for you, Mr. Reesh
2: Who would have been in central midfield? Who would have been on top? Barry Hales.
1: Barry Hales, indeed. As the other striker. Very good. And Mr. Frenchy last guess for you?
2: Uh, Alan
1: Gamer Yep, exactly right. And government was there. Now, that's brilliant, guys. And you could have also had Andy Melville. You could have had. Did anyone say John Harley?
2: John no. Harley.
1: John right. Harley. John Collins you could have had. Uh, there was Sean Davis, of course. And uh, you guys said that already. Steve Malbron. And the substitutions were Adslam Uwadu and Kevin Betsy. And Andreas Stolschers. Now, Kevin Betsy, this is a little bit of trivia for you here. Kevin Betsy, well, actually, I have two fun facts here. So, fun fact number one is that Boamorte didn't actually play the Premier League until Charlton, which was five games in, in case any of you had said Boamorte, which he didn't. And Kevin Betsy came on, but that was his only Premier League appearance. And that cameo made him the only player from Seychelles to play for the Premier League, even though he's from Woking, which is absolutely hilarious. So, there you go. Eight points for Frenchie, seven points for Mr. Baldwin. And it's all to play for in the guess the player round. You know the rules. I'm going to list out eight facts. And if you get the first one, it's eight points. Second one, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Right. Fact number one, guess the player. This player is six foot one tall. Number two, he is 32 years of age and still playing. Fat number three, Fulham were his second English club. Fat number four, he has 62 caps and 10 goals so far for his country and was an unused substitute in the 2010 World Cup final. Oh, Matt. Go
0: on. I'm going to say Ryan Babble.
1: Ryan uh, Babble, you have been frozen at number four there and I will keep going for Mr. Reese. Fat number five. All five of his Fulham goals came in the Premier League. Fat number six. He was only with us for five months, but wasn't alone signing. Fat number seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Babel. Yeah. 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 number seven. He scored out our Premier League, our last Premier League goal to date. Fat number eight, final one. He scored his first goal for Fulham and the club's first at the London Stadium against West Ham. Take a bow, Ryan Babel. All right, and that is a lovely 13 points to Frenchie to Mr. Reese's seven. Unlucky, Mr. Reese, I'm so sorry. chewing gum at me provocatively. That's not nice. Okay, fine. In which case, Mr. Frenchie, congratulations on winning the quiz. Now, as your prize, we have got you a lovely little leaflet here with 20% discount for the services of Mr. Colin Wanker, who has just come back into freelancing once again because he got fired today. Congratulations. Magnificent. Any any specifics
0: that he does, or is it just any anything
1: I want? Nothing that Baldwin won't do for free. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> there, you, there you go. All right, guys. Thank you very much to my co-host. Thank you very much for listening. Home. If you like what you hear, tell your friends about us. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we've got our website if you want to listen to the interviews. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Keep spreading the word. And next week we'll have a lovely focus player player focus and we will be previewing qpr thank you very much see you soon